G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. An important conversation to have today, unpacking the rise of children sexually abusing other children as a result of watching pornography online. Well, what's important is how we respond as parents and our expectations of how legislators might be handling this phenomenon. What justice measures need to be applied? What are the obligations that the state has to protect children from harm? Are governments applying due diligence in their protection of children from the harm of pornography? Andrea Tokaji has just published in a legal forum called the West Australian Jurist a topic entitled Due Diligence, Obligation of a State to Children Harmed by Porn. Andrea Takaji is a PhD researcher with the Fighting for Justice Foundation and is on the core team with the organisation you might know as Porn Harms Kids Campaign. Andrea is joining us to talk about her article. Hello, Andrea. Welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be here. Andrea, this rise of children sexually abusing children, it doesn't get talked about as often as perhaps it needs to, but this is something that is a phenomenon that is increasing with online pornography. Indeed it is. We know for a fact that 36% of internet content is, in fact, pornography. And there's been a record rise in the viewing of pornography online by children. Unfortunately, these images are quite violent and degrading sexual images. They're being accessed by children um, on their own phones, at schools, as well as being exposed to it in the home. So this is uh, something that I think as a community we should all be concerned about and have a conversation about. Andrea, is this something you think that parents, or teachers, or even legislators are brushing off as thinking that this is somehow or other not so important, it won't have much harm on children? What are your thoughts about our attitudes to pornography online and the fact that we've got our children with mobile phones and tablets that can easily access this stuff? Yes, I do agree. Uh, we've seen a rise in uh children not only viewing and accessing pornography online, but acting it out on other children in schools. And this has happened um, quite a number of times. It's been reported about uh, in the media. A prestigious private school uh, this year actually made headlines when a six-year-old boy was removed from the school following a series of sexualized, indecent assaults where boys were getting naked, performing sex acts on each other in the school toilets and the playground. There's also been um, recorded reporting of a a primary school aged boy who has to be chaperoned the whole time he's at school because he is uh, mim- mimicking and acting out these sexual acts uh, in the playground around other children. So 
these are really seriously concerning uh, harmful behaviours that these children are displaying because they've been exposed to these harmful images. Now, is there any current legislation that covers uh, this type of behaviour and the response of schools, the response of teachers, the response of uh, people who are in authority in our community? What sort of legislation is there? Yes, unfortunately, inconsistencies occur uh, throughout the different states and territories on this. Uh, Legislation that uh, points, first of all, to um, these acts in the category of grooming is really inconsistent. Then we need to look also at the regulation of our uh, internet providers. So the due diligence obligation, for example, that companies, corporations have to provide a clean feed uh, to ensure that uh, children aren't exposed to this. So being part of the Porn Harms Kids campaign to ensure uh, and to advocate for clean feed internet by default is something that I think as consumers... Uh, we can be a part of. You can put your voice to that campaign and to see a reduction in the access of children of these harmful online images and material. Andrea, I imagine most of those listening to our conversation today are familiar with things like duty of care and uh, part of our conversation today about due diligence and these are sort of legal terminologies, but I wonder whether they are even being thought about and applied to this issue of children accessing pornography on their mobile device. Is this an area that you can see as a real grey area or an area that's not being enforced? How do you see the duty of care that schools might have for children uh, or this issue of you know, adequate due diligence to prevent some of these things happening? Indeed. Again, we can look at existing regulation of pornography, which is governed by the Broadcasting Act. And there's a range of material there that's deemed prohibited content under the Act. And for a website to be deemed as prohibited, it needs to go through a number of regulatory checks and balances. And so when this is done, uh, it should preclude a lot of uh, images and, and websites. But unfortunately, there are also ways around this. So in terms of access, that is one uh, area where we can work on as lobbyists and advocates, even as parents and teachers, put our voice to campaigns such as the Porn Harms Kids campaign to ensure that this content is deemed as prohibited and inaccessible through clean feed internet to children. And Andrea, that might all be fine when it comes to what sort of feed children are getting through their school internet provider, but these kids are bringing their phone from home into the school grounds. There's a big disconnect there, isn't there? Yes, indeed. That's absolutely correct. So the child exploitation material is currently blocked by at ISP level under Telecommunications Act and the content that is refused classification um, is really important. It's extremely important to have um, this clean feed by default in our nation as a stance in our community uh, that we're saying we don't accept this material, we don't want to see it harming uh, our children And if you do come across content, you can report it to the eSafety Commissioner. 
Andrea, if schools have access to this clean feed, I wonder why uh, ordinary parents in the wider community don't have access to the same sort of clean feed so that they can protect their own families. Any ideas? At the moment in Australia, we do not have clean feed ISP standard. This uh, initiative was introduced in the UK. So the UK introduced clean feed internet by default last year. And it's a model that Australia, I believe, should replicate. So they introduced it through the online safety bill this year. And it is for the purpose of ensuring that there is clean feed ISP, internet service provider, uh, internet across the nation so that children are not harmed by harmful images, um, just accessed online accidentally or through other means. I imagine that clean feed idea is the same thing as what people talk about when they say the opt-in model. In other words, if you want to have access to that pornography, you've got to opt-in. Uh, which means that an awful lot of families who would not ever uh, want to opt into that uh, could actually have clean internet without all of the uh, the pornography that that comes with just getting your your average uh, internet service provider and their feed, which is certainly not clean feed. Yeah, so at the moment it is not uh, consistent standard that service providers are taking. So that is a problem and not all consumers are accessing clean feed internet. So as a standard in society that we can set through legislation, through social norms, in lobbying and advocating for the standard we want to see for our children, internet clean feed by default is one of those. Andrea Takaji is our guest, a PhD researcher with the Fighting for Justice Foundation and is on the core team with the Porn Harms Kids campaign. We're back with more in just a short while. We're having an important conversation, unpacking the rise of children sexually abusing other children as a result of watching pornography online. And what is important is how we respond as parents and our expectations of how legislators might be handling this phenomenon. Our special guest is Andrea Takaji, a PhD researcher with the Fighting for Justice Foundation. She's on the core team of the Porn Harms Kids campaign. Andrea, as we talk through this issue, children sexually abusing other children in the playground and outside of school hours too, what are the dangers that you see if this continues, if legislators continue to keep their head in the sand, if they uh, they don't take that due diligence and do something about it uh, to protect the children? What's the likely outcomes that you think about the harm to children in the future? Indeed. We know from the studies from the Australian Childhood Foundation that over 90% of boys under the age of 16 have visited a pornographic site online. We know from Professor Frieda Briggs' research that uh, young boys between ages of 6 and 8 are viewing pornography with their fathers. And we know that little boys' behaviour have become so over-sexualised Some of them have to be chaperoned at all times because of the risk they may start playing sex games with other children. 
So there is a rise in sexual behaviour and unfortunately it's been reported a number of times this year and uh, this conversation in our community went no further than what is the problem. And I believe we need to take a strong stance in terms of our response as a community to call for a higher standard in this regard. A growing of body of research does demonstrate that the harmful impact of pornography on children and young people's attitudes and beliefs their sexual behaviour, their sexual aggression, self-concept and body image, and even brain development is affected. And they can add, these experiences adversely affect their develop, developmental capacity to form trusted reciprocal relationships with others. So things like anxiety, fears, suicidal ideas and behaviours have also been associated with a history of childhood sexual abuse. Is there a likelihood that parents who have their children exposed to pornography, that sometime in a litigious society that someone's going to say, we need to hold someone accountable here and it's going to make its way into the courts. Someone's going to take their school or whoever it might be who makes these decisions about uh, the sorts of legislation that governs pornography online, that someone's going to take it to the courts and let the courts actually make some sort of a ruling. Is that a likely possibility? Yes, we are seeing these uh, in court cases. So we saw this last year in the case of Corby and Corby, heard by the Federal Circuit Court of Australia last year, where a young boy was being exposed to uh, his father watching pornography online and even masturbation in the home. I imagine that we probably could see children suing their parents if that was the case, uh, if litigation was going to be a way that uh, you could actually force the hand of legislators to do something about that. But I I imagine that's not the ideal case. Uh, Really, legislators have to take some responsibility here, don't they? Indeed. I don't want to see it come to that. I want our society and community to respond in a proactive approach to this problem, this growing uh, problem, so that it doesn't get to that point. We know that pornography changes children's attitudes towards women and sex, for example. We know that it affects the developmental um, status and we know that it affects young boys, particularly in their ability to form trusted relationships. So... In that sense, as a proactive response, I believe strongly that we need these education diversionary prevention programs where we can connect with young people and talk to them about consent, what is rape under law, what is healthy relationships, and all of those conversations are had to prevent, to protect, and to divert young men. Andrea, I'll bring you back to this idea of a clean feed internet or what we were talking about and some listeners might know that as an opt-in way of actually accessing pornography online. It doesn't appear to be a difficult thing for a government to legislate that there needs to be a clean feed. What is it do you think that is the blockage right now? With all lobbying... Timing is everything in politics. And the other thing that is crucial and key is we need as many signatures and constituents on board. Every vote, every voice is a vote. So every person who is a voting member of society needs to put their voice to this issue and lobby their local member on this 
to advocate on behalf of children's um, developmental health and sexual and, and relational health into the future, make a stand in their community. If legislators can see that it is an issue for um, constituents in a general sense and for voters in a broad sense, then they will pick it up. There is so much work to be done in Parliament. There is so much um, work that each minister under their various portfolios carry. You know, they're, they're overworked and we need to make it easy for them as a community. We need to say that this is important to us. You have to make it important to you as well. So there needs to be a groundswell of people who are rising up and saying enough is enough. And that needs to happen in a lot of ways. I mean, one of the ways I guess that can happen is just you and I talking about it and talking about it in a legal sense of what needs to be done. The idea of due diligence obligation, that governments actually have an obligation to protect children from all harm. I wonder, uh, Andrea, do you think that governments or people who are legislating uh, for the laws in our in our nation actually don't see uh, this sort of pornography is being harmful at this point? I think you're correct, Neil. I think that uh, pornography, um, sexual exploitation, uh, sexual images um, has all become such social norms in our society. We don't understand where the boundary lines are anymore. For parents, to be openly watching pornography for their children to see or to be openly masturbating where their children are exposed to it, I think is a real danger in our society. And it shows us that those boundary lines are not clear anymore. And this concept of restorative justice, Andrea, and moving forward, what do you mean by that? What is restorative justice? Sure. Sure. It's, it's a model under uh, criminal law whereby the victim and the perpetrator are given an opportunity to restore justice, basically, in each of their worlds through this conciliation process. So we see restorative justice practiced, for example, here in the ACT with juveniles. And it's an opportunity for the perpetrator to say, I'm sorry, I acknowledge what I did was wrong. And it's an opportunity for the victim to say, what you did really hurt me and it affected me and it was not okay. This model is, of course, supported by social workers, psychologists, legal representatives and others in the community whereby both victim and perpetrator have their support networks around them and it's done in an open, healthy, safe space. But I argue that this model can be replicated for children abusing other children because at the moment, if they are below the age of capacity, which our criminal law and our society has deemed to be 10 years old, they they don't have any mechanisms accessible to them in relation to seeing um, a restoration of that wrong done to the victim and communities saying to the perpetrator, it was not okay what you did and this is why. So I strongly feel that this is something that we can implement in our society to make sure that, first of all, we're clear where the boundary lines are and, secondly, that children who harm other children do not go on offending. 
Well, it certainly is an important issue and there might be some listeners who might like to be able to access that West Australian jurist legal forum where the article that you've written for that forum is called Due Diligence Obligation of a State to Children Harmed by Porn. Andrea Takaji is our guest and you can be in touch with Andrea through the Fighting for Justice Foundation website. That's fightingforjusticefoundation.com. Andrea, good getting your insights today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.